answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth Financial's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us as we talk about financial matters and answer calls and take questions and talk about uh, retirement planning issues, both myself and my co-host here, Pat. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping you plan for your future, and we come here on the weekends to be your financial advisor on the air. So whether you're listening through old school terrestrial radio or that via new podcast, fangled, uh, or podcast. an app, um, or newfangled, the newfangled, not newfangled. So I was at a um, I was at a celebration of life um, this last weekend, which. Uh, <laughs> If you're over age of 75, that's the modern day name funeral. for a funeral, is a celebration. And of- Pat, older people over 75 are the ones that attend more funerals than you probably do. But anyway, that's continue a good on. point. Yes. So a celebration of life slash funeral. And a lady came up to me and said, uh, I listen to you every weekend when we're having lunch in the, in the Sacramento area. She said, and uh, I've listened to you for years and we really, my husband and I really appreciate it. And I said, when do you listen? She said, when we have lunch. And I thought, well, this show airs at 10 or two in the Sacramento area. So either they eat really early or really late. So I was going to go with the really early. And? That was it. That was the point of the story. But she might be listening on a podcast. No, she said on the radio. Oh, well, we have more say, listeners on podcasts. We now, do. We so do if, if you, in fact, um, go to our website, allworthfinancial.com, you can subscribe to the podcast there or any other of the podcast subscribers. That's right. And, Easy uh, enough. Listen to whatever you want. Well, and I'm glad and I'm grateful for the radio stations that run our program. And I would not want to be in that business well, at this the, time. The radio stations that run the program. Uh, advertise a lot of their own podcast services as well. So, well, that, of course, they're trying to adapt, just yes, like um, everyone else. When cable TV came out, and uh, anyway, we're getting off topic, yes, but and uh, we're just getting going. Let's uh, let's actually take some calls. If you'd like to join the show, it's eight three three ninety nine worth. That's eight three three nine 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 six seven eight four, and we'll get you on the air. Yep, love to take your call, and it could be. Having to do with some investment, and obviously the financial markets have been quite volatile this week. Extremely volatile. We will spend some time about that. And part of the question is, all right, so what do you? What do we do with this information? What do we do? Looks like we're in this trade war with China. Maybe it's going to get worse. Uh, We've got a negative yield curve. We'll talk about that. What does that mean? Is that pointing towards recession? What if the recession's coming? What if we're certain a recession's coming? Then what? Well, so we'll talk about that. But by the way, you actually don't know you're in a recession till it's over, just by the, the, the way that they measure a recession. You can be out of a recession by the time you know. Yes, but you can still be in a recession and know it's a recession. I mean, you don't, you could be out of a recession. Actually, people don't, if you, people don't really, as long as you have a job, you don't care if the rese- there's a recession. If you and your loved ones have employment, you're caring about, and if you're near retirement, you're caring about your, your, your retirement savings. Yes. yes. And making sure that it's not plummeting in value. So Look, we'll talk I, about. I'm just, a, yeah, we'll, we'll ex- actually explain what the technical turn of a recession is. Because that's exciting. Uh, podcast and radio. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So let's, uh, again, if you want to be part of the program, our toll-free lines 833-99-WORTH. And we're starting out with Hilda. Hilda, you're live with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. Oh, hi. Hi, Hilda. Um, hi. Uh, I have a question about, uh, I'm already retired, uh, retired in December of 2015, and uh, I have two rental properties. 
one is already paid for and the other one is not. And that's the one I want to ask if I should sell it or or hang on to it, though I only owe uh, about 40000 I'm negative right now with that property. What do you uh, mean? What do you mean? Negative cash flow? Negative cash flow or negative As far equity? Cash flow. Uh, cash flow. I have a lot of equity in it, but because I only owe forty thousand. How so much? How much I, is that house worth? If you were to sell it today, if I have to sell it with a present that looks right now with a house. Probably would sell mm, maybe uh, two hundred fifty. Two fifty. And what is your? What are you receiving in rent? Uh. Fourteen fifty, and I'm paying thirteen eighty five a month for my mortgage, and I pay for the utility. I mean, you know, water, sewer, garbage, and with the property tax and the insurance. Yeah, that's all included so I, in the thirteen eighty five. Uh, the thirteen eighty fourteen eighty five, they're paying for the for the uh, smud and. Yeah, no. But at the at the I mean, rate you're at the rate you're paying on your mortgage, it would seem to me it's going to be paid off in just a few years. Yeah, if you you said you're paying yeah. thirteen eighty five for your principal and interest and uh, and taxes on your mortgage, right? You're paying thirteen eighty five a month, correct? Yes. And then in addition to that, you're paying garbage and and um and water s- and water and sewer. Yes. Okay, so what's so so y- 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 the only reason you're negative on this right now is that you're accelerating these mortgage payments, or it's amortized in such a manner that you're, I mean, you're paying it down yeah. very quickly. Like you took a big lump sum and you put it against the mortgage at some point in time, correct? Yeah, yes. Okay, so you didn't reamortize it. So your question to us is: Should you sell it or? Yeah, should I sell it because the house is like thirty year old and. Uh, having it rented, uh, the next renter I get, what okay. kind of Hilda? I get. Hilda? Yes. Do you want to sell the house? Is that a good idea? No, I'm asking you what you want to do. Uh, half, I mean, part of me, I want to sell it because uh, I'm worried about the kind of renters I'm going to end up having mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. Or... Okay. What's your and, What's your other cash? Let me Let me ask you this question: If you can still have your same standard of living and not have that rental, would that yeah. be appealing to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, good. Uh, I have I have my retirement, my four hundred one k, all uh, with Vanguard, and um, uh, they're telling me that I'm good to go till a hundred years old. I'll be covered. I I'd sell it. I'd sell it. I would. I would. Why first would- of, I'd sell it. Me too. Okay. And the reason let me, I have that, another that or at least have a property management company. But I'd but, sell it. Will you, first of all, Scott, would you buy a thirty-year-old house as a long-term rental? No. Why? Because the uh, the upgrades. Uh, yep. You're going to have something that's going to be expensive all the time. Right. Yeah. So typically, if you're buying a rental property, unless you are versed in the trades, which, by the way. I know Mr. Hansen isn't, and I certainly am not. Um, it, 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 it can get expensive. New roofs, new walls, mold, yeah. new windows. And, and right, so right, right now, there's someone listening saying, yeah, but Pat, real estate makes good investments. So it, it comes down to what is it you're trying to accomplish? And Hilda, if you're telling me, if you, if you call and say, hey, Scott, Pat, my goal is to die with as much money as possible, and I'm willing to sacrifice everything in my life for that, then I'd say, keep that rental, go over there once a week. You put in the physical labor, you um, mow the lawn, you make sure it's up to and, date, and, you collect the rents. Right. And so to maximize your net worth when you're a hundred years old, that could be the right process to go. But we all make choices with our money. We give up money in exchange for some other benefit. We go choose to go out to lunch with a friend. That's much more expensive than eating at, at home. We, are, we exchange those dollars for some benefit it brings us, right? So we make that decision all day long. And if you're in a position where financially you're fine, 
you're retired now. You have enough assets to maintain your standard of living. This home is not increasing your standard of living. To the contrary, it is degrading it. The fact that you're worried about it, that it's currently it's negative cash flow, which means you need to do something about it. You're concerned that if the renter leaves, you're going to have to get a new person. It's not probably not in the best area of town. All those other issues, I'd clearly get rid of it. I'd get rid of it. And and what you were calling for is you were looking for, for something called confirmation bias, which is you wanted us to confirm what you were believing. Yes, uh, especially with the uh, housing right now that's look, higher look, and look. who knows when it's going to go H- down again. H- Hilda, we're not even going to get there. We're, what, what we stopped at, it's not improving your standard of living. It is an yeah. asset that doesn't improve your standard. It The returns aren't significantly you know, even if the mortgage was paid off, these returns aren't super significant, right? They're not, they're like, eh, okay. It's a 30-year-old house. It, it's it's going to need some work. You worry about it. It's not going to change your lifestyle whether you own it or don't own it or whether you put this money someplace else or keep it in the house. Get rid of it. Those listening that say, these guys are idiots. Real estate is a great investment. We're not arguing that. We have both owned and do own residential commercial real estate. I get it. But- I get rid of things that aren't improving my quality of life. I did in January. Okay, yeah. yeah, I, I, I had a that. rental that I, I, I got tired of managing. And I had a property manager. I just got tired of it. I'm like, I just got to get rid of this thing. This is not helping me. Yeah. All righty. Okay. And, and there's another property that I got, which that one is positive. And I guess what I'm looking at is really just to kind of make my life easy get a property manager get a property manager yes i do and then decide whether you want to keep that or not if it's if it's not improving your lifestyle i had a gentleman retire about came to me about 15 years ago he said i'm going to retire and i'm just going to manage these properties that i've been collecting over the years he had 16 of them (laughs) and i said you're not retiring you're you're not retiring you're just changing jobs I said, who manages them now? He goes, I do. I'm really super busy, and I work 40 hours a week, and I've been doing this. And I said, sure, retire, but then just manage these 16 properties and enjoy yourself. And he actually, that was 15 years ago. He's got one or two left. Yeah. All right, good luck to you, Hilda. Sim- simple is better. Yeah, glad, glad you called. And it is really at this, for most people at retirement. It, and rental, look, real estate's a great piece of a portfolio. It's not passive, yeah, even if you have a property manager on it, it is not passive. Yeah, residential homes, it's not passive. There's yeah. some level of, of involvement, which if if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But don't discount the fact that it does yeah. take some of your labor. I was had, And I had don't a, put one in your IRA. I had a, I heard I had a, commercials about that recently. That's a bad idea. I had a client who was uh, widowed, not, I don't know, a couple years ago. I, I'd known her for years. Actually, it's one of those situations where... The husband was the one who managed the finances. They were clients for a long time, 25 years now, the family. And he would always come in by himself. And I would say, I'd really appreciate if you'd bring your your wife with you because statistically, nine out of 10 times, the man goes first. And if your wife doesn't have a relationship with us, she's not going to feel as confident. Well, of course, he predeceased. She comes in, not much of a relationship. Not that confident. So she brings her sister to help her. And our philosophy is always do as few things as possible. When you're, if something, you have a major life event like that, make as few financial decisions as possible. But her sister was rec- was saying, I think you need to get a rental for the tax benefits. For a newly widowed. Who had plenty of, plenty of financial assets. Okay. So what did they do? Well, they didn't, and, I, oh, and I, I, I'm like, no, no, you don't need a rental. Yep, maybe it would save you a little on your taxes, but who cares? Yeah. What's the objective here? You think she wants a rental? Her yeah. husband just died, now she's got to deal with a rental? Yeah. Rent's late, you got to well, do and eviction? And by the way, the, the tax savings are only good if you actually hold till death or do tax-free exchanges all the way till death. Otherwise, they're recaptured if there's a sale in the future. It's just a deferral. It's not a forgiveness. Well, I understand how it works, Pat. (laughs) Hopefully, you're not the only one listening to this show, though. Well, anyway, so. uh, Well, I'm glad you understand how that it's just a (laughs) deferral, not a forgiveness. And there's a difference. There is a difference between deferral and forgiveness. Yeah, you know the money in your 401k and your IRA, that's deferral. Yeah. What what happens is when you take it out, you want to take it out in the most positive light you possibly can. 
without driving yourself into higher marginal tax brackets. But it isn't a tax forgiveness. It's a deferral. All right. Let's continue on with calls. Uh, we will talk um, in this program about the financial markets, what to do now. But um, we're going to continue with calls. one eight three three ninety nine worth is our number. We're talking with Ken. Ken, you're with Allworth Financial. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Great. Hi, Ken. Great. So I've got uh, a couple questions. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a scenario. I'll lead in here a little bit. Uh, it was interesting listening to the last caller, but uh, my wife and I are probably in our last uh, less than two years before we're going to retire. I'm 58. The plan is to retire when I'm 60. And uh, we've been working on this strategy for a plan to get out in the year 2020. Uh, some of the it's four steps of what I've been kind of doing, and one of them uh, with that same caller is, uh, I sold my rental property. Uh, we had it for the last nine years. We had great appreciation, and we just wanted to get out. Uh, we certainly did write a big, fat check because you had to pay the government back for all that income. But, again, it was to simplify our life, and that was kind of step one of our process. Yep. Uh, step two was that we uh, sold a larger home that we were in. We downsized, really trying to get into lower maintenance, lower overhead. And then I've got two other steps that I'm still working for, and one of them is uh, that in 2020, uh, I've got a strategy for our last uh, first few months of the year that my wife and I are going to fully fund our 401 and 457s, basically to try and come out with almost next to zero income. Okay. Uh, as close as we can, mm -hmm. just to get those fully funded for that year and then retire. And then part of that strategy is, too, I've got some stock that uh, I've actually had for a long time. I actually bought it. My father, when I was uh, 16 years old, said, hey, if you're interested, I could buy some stock for you in this company that uh, your grandmother gave me some shares of and have done quite well. And it was in Union Pacific Railroad. But uh, at the time, I invested $40 for 40 shares, which you know was $1,600, and today is worth well over $100,000. And my strategy is I want to kind of wick out of that. Uh, and I'd like to use the uh, under $75,000 of income uh, to basically pay zero capital gains oh, on that money. So, oh, that yeah. wouldn't, I, 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 I would think about it a little bit differently, but um, keep going. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, that was step four of that process that I, I'm trying to get ready for us to get into that situation. Uh, you know, we have pretty good assets. I think we've done we've done well. I think we probably won the game. Uh, you know, we have about two million dollars in 401 and 457. We've got about 600k in just post-tax investments. Uh, most of that money is all invested in either stocks or bonds, uh, foreign and domestic. And we've got a strategy that we're currently using, which is. 70% uh, U.S., 30% overseas, and then a, each one of those is split into 70-30 between bonds and stocks. So most of it's uh, obviously heavily weighted in stock. And that's one of the areas that I'm obviously concerned about, which is where I get to my question, uh, is, is that you know we feel that we may be a little bit overexposed given the fact that you know we're so close to retirement. Uh, with the amount of money we have, we can clearly live on the three to four percent uh, of interest out of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to make 10, 11, 12 percent. I just need to, you know, be able to wick off of that money. Three or four percent, I'll never even hit my, uh, uh, I'll never even really pull technically any of the, the physical uh, amount of money, right? I'm basically living off probably interest more or less. And Ken, do you have, uh, will you be, you or your spouse be receiving a monthly pension? Yeah, I have a, a pension that's, uh, it'll be about $50,000 a year. So okay. it's not huge, but, so, so, uh, you know, between that and Social Security coming in the future and, and the nest egg we have, uh, you know, I don't think we've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, and and everything will be paid for with, after the downsizing, correct? Yeah, we're well. The downsizing is already completed, and that was that was actually the second part of my question because I'm actually considering whether or not it would make sense to pay off the mortgage. How much do you own the mortgage? It, it's it's small. It's like two fifty. Okay. Uh, the house is worth like five fifty. But okay. you know, I look at what I might be getting in bonds, and I go, 
you know, really, is it worth the the? Uh, there's no tax write off, right? Because that's that right. Yep, that's right. Well, well you know, right. so, 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 so in the same in the same breath you talked about essentially buying more bonds, reducing your stock, exactly. <laughs> Buy more bonds. Well, I don't I don't know I don't know about, about buying more. No, bonds no, you just said not. that though. But you you said that you you you, you, you said I think I'm getting rid of uh, some of my equities to lower my equity exposure. And then I'm going to take that money and invest it somewhere else with less risk, which means you were going to right. lend it to someone. A money right. market which, which could be in bonds, and I, I don't no, know what a what money market's a bond. There might be a money market's a bond. Yeah. A bank CD is well. technically right. right. They don't pay very well. right. No, so, yeah. but that's right. That, that's right. Well, you, you, first of all, you've you, done a great job, Ken. You just need to clean up around the edges. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is you've got some strategies, which is great. You'll get our opinion on maybe a couple other ways to look at it. Um, so here's let's start. I think you're you're in great shape. Let's start with uh, it, the maximizing your 401k and 457 in those years and bringing yourself into basically a zero tax year. I love the idea, right? But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be selling the stock. You do a Roth conversion. I do a Roth conversion because it's much more valuable than yes. the capital gains. So okay, and still you still might want to reduce some of that stock, but. The, the capital gains, you can still do it in a low capital gain environment. Maybe instead of zero, it's 10%. Um, yeah, and if you're charitably inclined, um, I don't know if right. you give money. I, I heard that last week. Okay, I would idea. probably look at maybe that same year doing some tax planning and gift half of that or all of it to a charitable uh, donor advice fund. Donor advice fund and do assuming it, he wants to give that over the next 10 or 20 years. That, I mean, that's a big assumption for his first year of retirement. understand. But assuming right. that, big assumption. that you would you would say, okay, I'm, I typically give four or five grand a year away to charities or whatever the number is. I'm just going to do 10 years worth at once. That's how I'd view it. That's right. how I would view it. So, but I wouldn't that's be, strategy. I wouldn't be selling that stock. I would be doing the Roth conversion. Totally agree. Okay. okay, and then looking at that because it's much more valuable, and particularly but, when you start looking at what your required minimum withdrawals are going to be another ten, eleven years. Yes, yeah. So that's what we're worried about. So we look at that. So do that, and then look at a charitable, or even if you're giving money to your kids, just gift those stocks. And so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge on your kind of stock bond equation you're trying to go through. So you say, I only want three to four percent a year. In order to generate three to four percent a year, particularly on a net of inflation, you're going to have to have some stocks in there. But wouldn't you be right. comfortable moving fifty to fifty percent, Scott? If he's that the stage in his life, he's got enough more than enough money. He's at seventy percent now. Yeah, and I, I, yes, and I think I because you could make it work at that. Yeah, correct, correct. Because you're still, you know, if you did that, you've got. 1.3 million yeah. in stocks. So if you were sitting in my office right now, I would actually pay the mortgage off and bring the portfolio down to 50-50, look at the Roth conversions at the same time and a charitable strategy and call it a day. But that's only the 50, yeah. the, reducing your stock is only if, it, only if you believe that the, 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 um, the emotions tied to a downturn are going to be that devastating to you. Because, I mean, the challenge is we are all emotional beings. We can look historically, intellectually. You saw your sixteen hundred bucks go to a hundred thousand dollars. That wasn't because right. you you picked some perfect company. That's just because you were an owner of a company. And I bet there were right. lots of other companies that did just as well. And it'd actually be an interesting uh, experiment just to see what if that was in the S and P five hundred over that period of time because he might have had very right. similar kind of return. Yeah. So that is the value of owning equities and the concern that um, you should have for age 70, 80, and 90 is inflation and and how that your purchasing power can be eroded over time. You could clearly say, I can make all this work by having 1.3 million in stocks, the rest of my savings I'm going to have in fixed income. And get rid of all your debt. But you could also say, you could also make an argument for saying, I'm going to have more in stocks. You could make an argument that it's either zero or 100%, Scott, on a $2 million portfolio. Because if you put it at a 0% and he started spending down principal, he's going to have more uh, than enough maybe. money to last his lifetime. That's right. not what that's, I'm advocating. That's what I said to my wife, we, we could take $100,000 a year out. <laughs> Just stack 20, it up. 26 years and, and never you know, make a dime on it. We're still spending Yeah, but, <laughs> I don't, but, you, but don't forget inflation. Even at 3%, every 20 years, things are doubled in price. So, so, you so yeah. when you're 80, you're going to need to, if it's 100 grand this year, 
And when you're 80, it's going to be 200,000. So, Ken, you want to do right. those things, right? The Roth conversion, the look at those dollars for charitable or, or gift those stocks. To, if you're giving money to your children, gift those stocks to them rather than cash, assuming they're in a low, lower marginal tax rate than you are. Um, and then putting the portfolio somewhere where you're comfortable. And it 70%, yeah, I'd be okay with that. 50%, I'd be okay with that. Somewhere between those two is probably where I would end up. Yeah. And pay and the pay the mortgage control. off. Pay the mortgage off. Yeah, it's less I income you'll need. Pay the mortgage yeah. off. Right. You're, you're probably paying yeah. three plus percent on that. And yeah, three you know, and a quarter or something like I that. I could get you. Would you? I could get you three and a quarter percent rate of return, zero Guaranteed. risk. Would you do that? Sure. Okay. Pay your mortgage right off. Just I, did I, it. Yeah. Just yeah. did it. Done. Yeah. Drop, that's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. The banks Mike. are not going to say, you know what? If you don't make feeling like the payment, don't worry about it. So appreciate yeah. the call. Yeah, good, good luck job. again. Good job. Yeah, yeah obviously a lot of good saving. Good saving. Good saving. Good planning. Good planning. Yeah, you don't get to this point by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that he was quoting uh, things we said in our previous yeah. shows. So uh, we're taking a quick break. When we come back, we will talk a bit about the current volatility, you know, declining interest rates, what all this means for you and for your savings, and what you should do about it, if anything, right now. This is All Worth Financials, Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. All right, welcome back to Allworth Financial's Money Matters with Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. And, of course, formerly Hansen McLean Advisors. And um, all worth now. All worth so now. So, if you have any of that swag laying around the house, all worth swag? Yeah. No, handsome McLean swag. Put it away. It's going to be a collector's item. <laughs> collectors. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me a story about, uh, I forget, it was CEO of some company. Maybe it was from a. Maybe it was a liquor company, and he said, you said he was at some airport. Oh, yeah. Saw, did <laughs> yeah. you read the same book? Oh, uh, yeah. Why so we it, was, uh, it was Stoliska and off, uh, vodka, and he, uh, and he, it was all about, you know, with liquor, especially vodka, it's basically all the same thing from what I read. I'm always amazed these new vodka companies come out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. but uh, There's I, a Hanson vodka now, spelled the same way. It's organic vodka, apparently. Okay. I guess that's... I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I don't a, drink vodka. I don't drink vodka, uh, nor spirits. Um, but the uh, he was all about the brand, and he was walking through an airport, and he saw this this guy that just looked terrible with this torn up stoley t shirt on, and he walked up to the guy in the airport, and he bought it from him for a hundred dollars yeah. just to get it off because it was his brand. But no, my point was. I actually have a bunch of we have a bunch of handsome McLean shirts that I'm uh, giving to my friends. Um, I can't throw them away; they're still good. You give them to your friends? Yeah. The, uh, what our, are your friends going to do with them? They wear them. You could send them to Africa, like they do with the uh, Super Bowl. You know, oh, they that's have. That's a good uh, idea. That's probably what we should do. Is yeah, send we them should somewhere. Really. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're good. We'll talk offline. Okay. All right. If you want to be part of that's our, a good idea of our program, uh, whether it's. Yeah, people walking around what with a wealth that? management shirt on in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> a little... Ask me about my retirement. I retired little... early. Ask me how. Oh, that's not even funny. It just no, it's not mean. funny. It is. But well, humor comes from some of the pain in life. They, uh, okay. Let's go to the call. Yeah. One... You'd like to join the show. Yeah. <laughs> Toll free. It's 833-99-WORTH. That will get you on All Worth Financials uh, Money Matters. And let's talk with... Teresa, Teresa, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hello. Hi, Teresa. How are you? We're wonderful. How can we help? Good. Um, I, I have a question about, I recently retired just about a month ago from a company that offered a pension plan. Uh, there, uh, there was two different pension plans that were offered from two different um, types of in pay. One of them was called stable value. The other one was called final pay. 
So my question is, I, I have, I can choose monthly payments uh, options of approximately $1,000 per month from one of them, and, or a, um, I can also get a lump sum payout of about $167,000. How old are you? Uh, 69. And on this $1,000, are you, do you have a spouse? Yes. And on this $1,000 a month, can you receive a, a reduced benefit and then provide a stream of income to a spouse if you predecease them? Yes, you can go fifty percent, sixty-six percent, or a hundred percent. Okay. Um, upon my death, my spouse would receive the same pay. All right. So, if what I'm is the number on the on the hundred percent? What is the monthly pension move from a thousand to what, like eight hundred dollars a month on that, or? Uh, no, a thousand a month is about what it is if I go at a hundred percent. Okay, so that's I just want to make sure we're comparing apples to apples yeah. uh, to do this. And then the this, the second plan that was, I'm offered is called final pay average, and that I would get a monthly of about two seventy or the lump sum of about forty eight thousand. Okay. So total, it's about twelve hundred dollars a month or two hundred fifteen thousand dollars in the lump sum. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So this is a. And what do you think you should do? Well, the, the, if I take the lump sum, I would put it into an IRA, obviously, uh -huh. so I wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. But and then I would have control over that money, whether I had, uh, you know, a fiduciary help me manage it or whatever. But on the other hand, if I take the monthly, that's guaranteed forever, and it's always going to be there until I die. Uh, uh, correct. Correct. So, and it's, and it's insured by the pension benefit guarantee corporation. So let me ask two other questions. How is your health and how is your spouse's health? Uh, both of us are very healthy. Um, I don't have any health problems at all. My spouse has some, some arthritis issues. Okay. But no diabetes that. or heart disease. You don't no, smoke two packs no. of cigarettes a day or anything. No. Big drinker. Not going to no. start smoking. Haven't left the house in over four years. None of that. Nope. Okay. Nope. Walk every morning. Yeah, okay. We're both healthy. And what other assets are there in the in the family? Well, I, I'm all already taking my Social Security, which mm -hmm. is about twenty four hundred dollars a month. Um, my my husband just at the time is he right now he's on workman's comp. He hurt himself at work, so he hasn't been working. So he hasn't taken his Social Security yet. He's only sixty five. So he hasn't taken it yet, and as long as he's on workman's comp, he's not going to take it. And his and his would be a couple thousand dollars a month in Social Security if he took it. Uh, about seventeen hundred. Okay, and are, do you have any other monies in IRAs or savings or anything like that? Uh, yes, we have another account that has about. Um, I well, I have an my four hundred one k that I rolled over from my employer has about one hundred and twenty thousand. Okay, and my my husband has an. Um, a 401k that has about 25,000. And then he also has an inherited IRA that has about a hundred thousand. Okay. And any, uh, is the house paid for? No. What do you owe on the but house? We have, uh, we owe about 300, but it's worth about 600. Are you going to downsize? Well, I live she in Denver. And <laughs> she, she might be depending on where she lives, Pat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's not even an option here yeah. because to downsize, we'd have a smaller house and a bigger mortgage. Um, yeah, I, I think you should take the monthly. Okay. And here's so here's how it's calculated. The, the, the pension plan figures that they have to pay you, Teresa. Let's just take the first one, $1,000 a month until your dying day. But nobody knows when you're going to die. But actuarially-wise, they know that if they had you know, 5,069 year old Teresa's, they know there's a certain life expectancy. So they can base this on, on an average life expectancy. Now, the older we get, the shorter our life expectancy on those averages becomes, Right. So if right. you were 55 or 59, your lump sum would be much larger because the company's got to figure they're going to pay you a long period of time. So they need to basically set aside a lump sum of dollars in your name or in all Teresa's names to pay out over a average life expectancy. And the closer, you know, the older we get as our life expectancy gets shorter, a lump sum relative to that $1,000 of month income becomes smaller. So- 
at your stage, unless you said my my health is compromised and I probably won't make it to a normal life expectancy, um, it would tip the scale in favor of taking uh, the, the monthly pension. And if, and if you said I've got $10 million and I don't feel like doing it, then that would tip the scale and yeah, just take the lump sum because uh, you can but but you can longevity risk you can manage yourself. But, but in this situation, I would take the monthly and, on and both of those. As it as it is, there's not a lot of room for error here in this situation. You owe three hundred right. in the house. You've got two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, and uh, you've got Social Security. So you're going to live off your pension and your Social Security and your husband's Social Security, if you will, plus a little bit from the right. investments. Yeah. What's your interest right. rate on the mortgage at the house? Uh, 4.25. Okay. And do you have a 30 year mortgage on there? Yes. When was the last time you refinanced? We just refinanced it to get it down just recently. Yeah. Uh, That would have been my recommendation to get the longest mortgage you can to get the monthly payments as low as possible. Yeah. I'd look at that. And at some time down the road, a a reverse mortgage can also be a possibility for you. But right now, if you can swing it all, um, I wouldn't go that route. Yeah. Yeah, and, we, and we've both discussed maybe getting little part-time jobs, too. Oh, only if you want to. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. As no, long as it's, no, it's not a bad thing. As long as you're doing what you want to do. Right. So, No, yeah, I, I would I, take – I agree with Scott. I'd take the monthly. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's very helpful advice. I appreciate your oh, help. Thank and, you very much. Sure. Appreciate the call. Yeah. And it's – every situation is different on that, Every right? situation is different. So it's – she had – Two million dollars saved up, or a million dollars saved up, might have been different. It may have the, the advice may have been a little bit different. Yeah, so it's it's always good to talk to. Well, the nice thing I got to be a little tighter on the nice thing about calling a radio program is we we don't have a dog you know, in the fight. Every financial advisor, the challenge is every financial advisor, unless you're paying an hourly fee and that advisor does zero money management, which is extremely rare to find that advisor. There is a conflict of interest that exists, including with our own firm. Absolutely. People pay us to manage money. And the, that's exactly right. So the conflict, not to say that advisors are going to give you bad advice just so they have a chance to manage the money, but... There is always that conflict. There's always that conflict. Just like an advisor, you might have a, a mortgage and the advisor says, don't pay it off. That's a conflict. Because they've got the money managed somewhere else. So we emphasize constantly with our advisors, everyone in our firm is, act as if they're your brother or your sister or your mother or your father. Act as if they're part of the family and act as if you had no economic interest in it whatsoever and try to give the advice from that perspective. Yes. All right. Let's talk a bit about these markets because um, volatility seems to be back. A little? A lot? Yeah. And we're seeing but so, bigger swings. So, Scott, remind me. So, I, I was trying to remember – Back in December of 2018, we had it was a, almost a 20 percent decline, a 19 percent decline from top to bottom. Was it? Was it? So I, I too, I'm asking this because I don't remember. Was it fast or volatile, or do you recall how it happened? Was it a matter of days? Do you remember? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, I don't well, remember. Here's the here's the chart right there, Pat. You can go back and look at it. We're looking at it. My phone, which isn't helpful to you, the listeners. <laughs> but it was, uh, no, it was relatively quick. Yes. It was about 60 days was where the 20% decline was. Almost 20. 19.5%. And decline. 20% is considered a bear market, which is a 20% Whatever that decline means. or from top to bottom. Whatever that means. I don't know if it matters too much whether it's 19.5% or 20%. Here's what we do know. If you go back almost the last 100 years, 95 years, so we have some good data. If you owned companies, owned stocks, the broad stock market, you've earned about 10% a year on average. Okay. If you've owned bonds. You've returned approximately? 6%. Okay. What's the and inflation's be- been about 3%. What's the difference between all of those, Scott? Stocks are ownership. You own the company. Ownership. Yes. Bonds are loanership, you lent money to someone. And by the way, when people say, well, bonds, I'm going to put my money in a bank CD. Yeah, you're loaning the money to someone. Yeah, you're loaning to the bank. You're loaning to the bank, right? The difference is- Which is fine, which is perfect if you need the money in the next few years. That's the right place to put it. Yes. But for a longer period of times, history has shown us that we go through cycles. 
And historically, if you think about a downdraft in the markets on any particular calendar year, we see about a 14% decline in the markets. Any, any year, you should expect a 14 Here's why this is hard. Let's say you have a million dollars in stock investments if in your retirement account. And? Right? Let's say you've done a good job saving. You got, let's say you got two million bucks saved up and you said, I'm going to have half in stocks. You've got a million dollars in stocks. You should expect every 12 months. At some point during that 12 months. A 14%, which is $140,000. At some point in that 12-month period. That's correct. If you look at every roughly three, three and a half years, you should expect a 12-month period with negative returns. Only for that 12-month period. You should ex uh, further expect about a, a, a bear market about every that period of time, a 20% decline or more. Historically, the average bear market has been about 31%. And it lasts for how long? Uh, roughly 10 months. So why do you own stocks if all this is negative information? Why would you own stocks? Because historically, you've been rewarded much more by owning the companies, yes. the stocks. And when we talk about stocks, we're talking about broad markets, not a stock. We're talking about, let's call it the S&P 500 or the total market, right? Yes. So what happens is the reason you're getting a premium rate of return on those is there is a risk associated with that. That risk is the market volatility. If you believe the American economy will continue or the U.S. global will continue to grow, depending upon how your asset allocation sits, then you should own a portion of your portfolio and it's, in equities. That risk, it's a temporary decline. History is shown- It's only permanent if you sell into that falling market. History has shown that every time. And here's the challenge. We can learn all this intellectually, right? There's all kinds of reading materials, books on this to read this. But this isn't what you hear on an ongoing basis because when you flip on the news, the news, remember, what is their job? Is their job to educate you so you're good long-term investors, so you're confident in your retirement savings, so you don't make the wrong decisions? Is that how, is that how CNBC gets their revenue? No. They're, they're rewarded by people watching and reading. That's where they, so that they could sell advertising around it. That is their business model. That is their conflict of interest. So why wouldn't you just get out of the market before it falls? Well, no one knows when it's going to fall. What causes it to fall? Well, no. I mean, I, was, I could say nobody really knows that, but it's really based upon earnings and what investors are willing to pay for not only today's earnings, but what they perceive the future earnings of those companies are to be. Okay. Right. It's what they perceive. And the, the alternative future. investments to those earnings, not just the earnings themselves, but the alternatives. Right. So why did, correct. The, if why I can did get the Federal 10, Reserve. If I can get 10% in a certificate of deposit. I'm not as likely to invest in anything that has risk. I wouldn't invest in anything other than Why did the Federal the Reserve lower interest rates in order to spur the economy? To make it less attractive, to put more money at risk, to grow the economy. That was the whole idea. Remember in the Great Recession why they lowered the interest rates. What was that? Well, we're going to make this alternative less attractive. Plus, we're going to make it more attractive to borrow money from corporations and, unfortunately, governments. But we're going to make this less attractive an investment a better a reason to borrow money in order to spur the growth in the economy. So it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so the reason you can't predict when the markets are going to go up or down is right now we're in all kinds of volatility. What's, what's it being blamed on? It's being blamed China. on China. It's uh, Europe, right? Brexit. Negative yield curve. In, in uh, Well, it's a U-shaped yield curve in the United States, but... In other countries, there's a negative, negative rates, negative rates, all of these things. So what happens? What happens if all of a sudden tomorrow, China, this comes to an end markets, will, who knows, go on fire.
Maybe it's being priced in. I don't know. Brexit fig figures itself out. It, everyone comes to an agreement. The markets take off or it continues. No one knows. So there's so many different factors that cause an emotional reaction to the marketplace, which is causes, remember, it is an auction marketplace. That is what the stock market is. And stocks, again, is just a way that you can own companies. And the reason you... The reason, frankly, you need to have those in your portfolio for retirement is because that's where you're going to get any real return. Above that are the rate of inflation. And if you think back the last roughly 100 years, think of the environments that we went through. All the bad things. The Great Depression and the decline in the markets during that time. World War II and everything that entailed. The rise of the Soviet Empire. I mean... You, you think back the last hundred years of all the terrifying political structures we've seen, environmental, political, I mean, yeah. every, it's been, if so, you want to look for things to be fearful of, there's been plenty of things to be fearful of. And so when you're looking at your retirement savings, you can, you, you, you basically have a, a few different ways to go about it. One is you can say, look, I can't, I, I don't want to take any risk. I'm going to keep everything in things that are super safe and guaranteed with that. I know I'm going to have a lower standard of living in my retirement. Right. And I know inflation's a risk if I don't plan well, that's fine. As long as you know that. That's fine. As long, or you have plenty of money and yeah, you can afford, you can afford that. Or you say, or so the second thing you can have an investment strategy that says, I am going to pay attention to the markets. I'm going to read the tea leaves. I am going to figure out when I should be in stocks, when I should be in bonds, when I should be in real estate, and when I should be in cash and or gold. And I am going to somehow figure this out, and I'm going to move my portfolio from this place to that place. I'm going to turn on CNBC every morning. Fox Business, I'm going to read. Well, we know that doesn't work. But, Scott, I'll give you another alternative. Why don't I just go out and buy an indexed annuity that has some downside guarantees in it? Well, because you're, you're going to get a, such a small fraction of the upside. Explain that to me, then. This is a theoretical for the listeners because Let's this is what we see all the time. People come into our office and say, I'm thinking of buying this index annuity, or I bought this index annuity because I was worried about the markets. I was worried about losing all my money. And well, like, let's continue on with the So the other strategy, Pat, is to say, I understand. Look, my son went, my son's at school at Boston College. His first winter there, when they had the first nor'easter. Nor'easter. Man, it is cold here. It is windy. It is so dang cold, I can't believe it. And he had to buy a thicker coat, right? What do you think was going to happen? Exactly, right? <laughs> You're living in the Northeast. What happens? These nor'easters come, you get cold wind, bunch of snow dumps. That's pretty normal. Now, if you think that you're moving to a climate of Honolulu, and, and that you happens, get a nor'easter, and people start talking with a Boston accent, <laughs> you're in trouble. But if you if you know that, look, this is just part of it. When you go in emotionally prepared. That and spring is going to come again, and summer will come again. This is part of the season. This is part of what I I live with, been living in Northeast. Then you're then you're okay with it. And frankly, if you can have the similar approach to your in retirement investments, that look, there's a portion of our dollars that we allocate towards stocks. Why? Because historically, that has given us the highest rate of return. These are owning companies. What do companies do when when recessions happen? What do companies do? They cut costs. They, they become innovative. They think, how are we going to generate some more income? How are we going to return profitable again? And they become very creative. And they survive the recession, and things continue, and the companies continue for the broad, time with the broad market. So, and as an owner of those companies, you participate in that. In the last 100 years, roughly, that's returned roughly 10% per year. You have been rewarded for your patience. That's why a lot of financial advisors like us talk with individuals and say, look, let's divide up your portfolio. Let's take some that we know we're going to have storms. The nor'easters are going to come. 
they're going to we're going to have it, it's going to go down in value it's going to feel painful the news is going to talk about why it's so different this time we've never experienced that you're going to have people say time to get out quickly it's, you better get out now and if we could say no i'm going to ignore that and i'm going to those are those this portion of my portfolio is allocated to owning companies i'm going to be an owner as an owner i understand things go through cycles i also understand that real wealth is created by owning companies and then I'm going to allocate some of my dollars to more conservative areas into some bonds and some money markets, money that I'm going to need within the next three to five years, for example, for either my retirement income or to cover other expenses, college expenses, weddings, whatever. Those dollars I'm not going to have tied to the stock market. So when the stock market falls, I can say, well, that's, that's horrible. My account balance is plummeting, but I'm, I'm not going to sell the thing that is doing poorly at this time because you have a diversified portfolio. That's exactly right. We're almost out of time. Tell me why you don't buy an index annuity. So what happens when you buy an index annuity? What do they do with the money? When I first started in this industry, Pat, a guy in my office had on his desk the acronym TINSTFL. And I'm like, what the heck is, you couldn't read that thing. I didn't know it was an acronym. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Okay. You're going to pay for it somehow. We all know that. With an, an equity index annuity, you give control of your pencil to an insurance company. And they do? Insurance companies, by the way, they don't take on risk. They hedge risk. That's what they're good at. They take the money. They put the vast majority of it in bonds. They take a very small amount and use it to buy options in the stock market. And options work like what? Gives you an opportunity to buy at some predetermined price in the future. Which has... Limits to them. Tremendous limits. And the pricing of those is fluctuates like crazy. So what happens is when you enter this annuity contract, the story you're actually told. And by the way, oftentimes you have to commit your money for 7, 8, 10, 12 years. If you take it out early, you get paid. You, it's a big surrender yes. penalty. It could cost you anywhere between 7 and 10%. You put in $100,000, you take the money out the next day, ten grand. But what they're doing is the insurance company's buying options on an underlying index, which limits the amount that they can actually participate in the market at any point in time. And, and the reason and you brought dividends. this the reason you brought this up, Pat, is because you're concerned that you, our listeners, someone's out there is going to say, this is looking scary. I'm going to look at another option. All we can say is that is the wrong strategy that, that will derail your retirement. It really will. Exactly. Look, we don't know when this volatility is going to end. It always has ended. It will end again in the future. So anyway, hope that little uh, discussion was helpful. We would certainly appreciate you being part of our program today. Uh, if you're listening live, enjoy the rest of your weekend. If you're listening to podcasts, enjoy your day. This has been Allworth Financials. Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.